It is good to be with you again and behind this pulpit. This is where I find my most comfort, uh, behind this pulpit. Though it is a glass one, (laughs) uh, it's uh, where I find my most comfort. I have preached in other places. I have uh, preached in other churches. I have preached in other countries. But I've never been most comfortable than when I stand behind this pulpit. And that's because it's, this is where my faith family is. And it's where I'm most comfortable. And that's a good thing. I, I could easily see myself living among other countries and other places, doing God's work. But I would so miss my family, my faith family. And I missed you dearly while we were away, while I was away with an, uh, a team of uh, five others uh, to Swaziland, South Africa. And I do thank you so much for your prayers and your thoughts. And I, I really think you mean it when you say, we missed you. Um, I don't think you're just being nice, um, being, you know, nice country folk, you know. Well, we, we missed you, Brother Mike. I, I really think you mean that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I really missed you and uh, thankful for God's protections, amen, uh, for God's safety in traveling. Uh, no one got sick, praise God. No one got injured, praise the Lord. Uh, your, answered were pray- your, your prayers were answered. Y'all catch that. Your answers are prayered. But your prayers were answered, amen. Aren't you thankful for answered prayers? I am thankful for that and, and thankful for an opportunity to be able to go and, and do other things like that. I, uh, I have grown to love the sweet pastors of Swaziland. And uh, man, sweet guys, and, and they love the Lord, and, and they are in the trenches, I'm telling you. Uh, Swaziland is an evil, evil place. But let me tell you, all sin is evil. Sin causes darkness, and the more sin, the more darkness. That do, it doesn't matter whether you're in Swaziland. It doesn't matter whether you're in the United States of America. And it doesn't matter whether it's in your own home. Sin causes darkness. And where sin and darkness is, evil is there. And so whether we go across the big lake across the ocean, across borders, or whether we go from room to room in our own house, may we be uh, conscious of the sin that is in our homes, the sin that is in our hearts, and the evil that comes from that. I have a lot of pictures and videos I want to show you, some things I just want to share with you that I learned or am reminded of from my recent trip to Swaziland. So let me pray and then we'll, we will begin. Lord, I love you. Lord, I know you love us. And God, we're so thankful uh, for all that you've done in our lives. And God, I'm so thankful for what you've done in the life of those pastors in Swaziland. Lord, what a blessing it was for me and the other team members to be able to go to them and be able to minister to them through the scriptures. Lord, what a blessing it was to be able to go to the orphanage where we served. 
what a blessing it was to see all of those smiling faces. And God, I was reminded of a lot of things. But Lord, most of all, Lord, we are reminded, and I'm thankful for the cross. Because the cross has no border, it goes across all states and all borders and all countries. And it means the same thing, that Jesus died on the cross for all people. And that whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, that is a truth of the scriptures that we hold fast to. And I pray, Lord, I pray that we will hold fast to it in our own homes. Lord, may you be honored by what is shared this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I certainly cannot share with you all that happened in Swaziland. For those of you that don't know where Swaziland is, if you look at the continent of Africa, it is at the very bottom of the continent of Africa. And so as it comes down and forms the very bottom, you have the country of South Africa. And then if you're looking at a map to the right of that, there's a small speck uh, on the map. It's about the size of Rhode Island, people say. That is the country of Swaziland. Yes, they are their own country. They do their own thing. Uh, they are surrounded on three sides by South Africa. On one side, they are bordered by Mozambique, the country of Mozambique. Uh, it is a very small country. The Swaziland is ruled by a king. Uh, they, their government system is not like ours. Uh, the people don't uh, get much of a vote. They do vote, but it really doesn't matter. Everybody knows it's all rigged and what happens, happens, and what the king wants, the king gets. And so they are ruled by a king. It is a very socialistic government that anything the government has is very nice, but everything else is not. It's in ruins. It. The people are in oppression because of the government. And I would say for those, this is not a political stance at all. I would say for those who would lean more towards that type of government should go to the countries where that type of government is. And you look into the faces that I've looked into and you try to comfort those that we tried to comfort. It's hard. Man, it's hard. And you know what? I got on a plane and came home. But those sweet pastors don't get to do that. They have to stay there and in the trenches. And so I want to share with you just three things that I learned or was reminded of. The first one is this. I'm reminded that God is omnipresent. And I'm thankful for that. I wouldn't want to go to a country where I knew God wasn't there, that God couldn't be there. We don't serve a God that's limited by borders, amen? We don't serve a God that's limited by water, that, that, that is limited by delta sky miles <laughs> and nasty food on an airplane. God doesn't have to travel in an airplane in a tube of people for 16 hours. He don't have to worry about it. God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. There's never a place where God is not, and I'm thankful that as we go to the ends of the earth. It's why God called us to go to the nations. It's because God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. And we're reminded in Jeremiah chapter 23 
And in Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24, listen to what he says. The Bible says, am I a God who is only near? This is the Lord's declaration and not a God who's far away. Can a person hide in secret places where I cannot see him? The Lord's declaration, do I not fill the heavens and the earth? The Lord's declaration. In Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, I love this passage of Scripture. In Psalm 139, the psalmist says, where can I go? Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The psalmist knows the answer to this. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, well, guess what? You're there too. Even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. The scriptures teach, and there's many others, that God is everywhere. Amen? That we cannot run from God. You cannot hide from God. There is no secret place in your home where God cannot go. There is no secret place in your heart that God cannot penetrate. God is everywhere. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that as we go to the nations that God is there. I want to show you some pictures and video. This is why I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when I go to another country, that the moment worship begins, I know. I don't know what they're saying but I know who they're saying it to. And I know that no matter what, that the same God they're singing to is the same God we sing to. And so I want to show you some pictures. This is Pastor Jeffrey's church. Uh, this is, um, if you want to bring lights down, you can. That's, that's up to you guys. You may be able to see better. Um, there you go. This is Pastor Jeffrey's church. Pastor Jeffrey is a, a great contact. It's, it's who we really go through. He's a phenomenal guy. This dude, I mean, he is, he's, he's top notch. He's, he's wonderful. This is his church. I think there's another picture of his church. Um, there's his church and the skyline. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Boy, that's wonderful, isn't it? We'd be ashamed of that, wouldn't we? We'd start a building fund, wouldn't we? We would. We're Baptist church. We like building funds. <laughs> We'd start a building fund. This is their church. It's actually upgraded from last year. Looks a lot better. It's wonderful. It's so beautiful. And this is their church. I got a video of them singing. This is the church service. This was Sunday night uh, of the time we're there. There you go. Isn't that wonderful? I love it. I, that brings tears just to remember that time of, of just singing. I have no clue what they're saying, so don't ask. I, I don't know. I know they're singing to the Lord. And it's just so good to know that we can go into the depths of South Africa. 
to the depths of Swaziland and stand on a dirt floor surrounded by metal and sing to the Lord. Amen? That's wonderful. Oh, that's so great. It's so comforting to know that God, it doesn't matter where I go, you're there. It doesn't matter where I go. If I go to the heavens, you're there. The depths of hell, you're there. It doesn't matter where I go, you're there. At the pastor's conference, they would sing. They, uh, in order for them to start, they just start singing. Like somebody just starts singing. They, uh, I don't think anybody's designated to start. They just start, and then everybody joins in. So this is a video of them singing at the pastor's conference. That's cool, isn't it? Let's listen to the next video. This is what they were singing. Isn't that good? Boy, they sound great. Love the simplicity, don't you? I say yes, Lord. Yes. That's how they begin all of their sessions, and then we would have a worship time at night called a celebration service. I think this next video is of that. Here comes the, there it is. <laughs> you hear them whistle? They love to whistle. Isn't that good? Is that not wonderful? Do what? <laughs> they they love to whistle. Man, they love to whistle. That's the way they do it. And they'll whistle loud. But they just love to sing. And what they'll do is they'll start singing. And there's a guy on a keyboard. And he'll wait for them to start singing to kind of pick up on the beat. And then he'll figure it out on the keyboard and then he'll just he'll go to town on the keyboard 
And you heard it about halfway through. He picked it up, and he just he got the beat so they could stay on beat. And it's, it's just wonderful, man. It, I tell you, I, I love those worship times. They're just so sweet and uh, so wonderful, and, and it's just so great. Man, they, listen, these are men and women who they're not coming from, you know, their, their nice uh, uh, 1,500, 2,500 square foot house with a nice driveway with a car that's going to crank every time, most of the time, with air conditioning, with satellite TV and Wi-Fi internet that actually works. They're not coming from a nice little family with their hair combed and and, uh, a community that looks out for one another. They're not coming from that. They're coming from communities that have nothing, people who have nothing. They're coming from families whose mamas and daddies are losing their children They're coming from communities that are just warped with evil and with witchcraft and with the great deceiver. They're coming from communities where uh, witchcraft doctors are real and they have a stronghold over their communities. But yet they still, they still are able to gather together and with smiles, man, and just sing to the Lord and say, I have decided to follow Jesus That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to follow the ways of this world because those ways are evil. You don't know evil. You come with me next year, I'll show you evil. Not finding the charger to your iPhone is not evil. Man, these people are living in evil. This is darkness. You know why? It's because of sin. Because where sin is, evil resides. And they gather together and sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow my Lord. And I don't care what's going on around me. I'm going to follow Jesus. And we have a hard time following Jesus even on Sunday. We have a hard time on Monday and Tuesday because traffic's backed up. Spilt our coffee. Our chip won't work on our debit card, right? I want to show you a video of the pastors praying. Listen to them praying. It's just them praying. I think this is what prayer ought to sound like. Everybody just praying together, all out loud. It's not for show, they're not babbling. They're praying to the Lord. I think it's wonderful. I'm so thankful that God is everywhere. And that when we gather together with those pastors, God's there. And wherever you go, listen to me, wherever you go, God is there. And all you got to do is just address Abba Father. And he's there. He's, he's with you. And so when you face trials tomorrow, listen, I, I know we're, we're in different contexts. I get that. I, I understand that. I, it's different. I understand that. But sin is sin, right? Frustrations are frustrations. Difficulties are difficulties. I get that. I know they're different. I'm not trying to discredit our frustrations and difficulties. But just know this. No matter what happens in your daily walk, God's there and God's with you. He'll never leave you. He promised you that. 
And if you'll just say, Abba, Father, when your frustration begins to rise, just close your eyes, Abba, Father, and God's there. He's omnipresent. The second thing is this, God is the giver of all good gifts. God is the giver of all good gifts. In James chapter 1, you know this passage as well. In James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Listen, every good thing that you have comes from the Lord. Whether it be your personality, whether it be your wisdom or knowledge, whether it be uh, your possessions, all of that comes from the Lord. I know you're a hard worker and you worked hard in your job and your career and all that you have is because of that, sure. But God has given you that desire. God has given you that will, that ability, that wisdom and knowledge. All good things come from the Lord. And so may we never take credit for those things, for those good things. Oftentimes, I believe... Oftentimes, those good things are not belongings. We tend to view every good thing comes from the Lord. That means cars and houses and clothes and all of those vacations, all of that. Well, listen, oftentimes, the good things that God is speaking of is not belongings. They're not things. They're not stuff. We tend to do that. For why would God simply shower us with good things that even he said will not bring happiness and that will rust and rot one day. That doesn't make sense. God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't say, every good thing that I'm giving you is from above. Now, it's all going to rot one day. Every good thing is from above. Now, it's not going to bring you total happiness, but I'm going to give it to you. That's That's not what God means when he says that. We tend to focus on the outside while God looks to the inside. And so every good thing comes from the Lord. God is the giver of all good things. Sometimes, most of the time, it's not from belongings, but oftentimes it may just be peace in the midst of a storm. Sometimes it is just knowing that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that I will go to heaven. Sometimes... Sometimes, most of the time, it's not things. Many of the Swazi people have nothing. They live in a country who oppresses them. But recently, the king of Swaziland, we got to meet him last year, uh, King Maswati III. When I say that, I really mean a lowercase k. When I call him king, they don't. They can't do that. The king changed the name of the country. It's no longer recognized as the country of Swaziland. He changed the name to the kingdom of Eswantini. It means the same thing. And you say, well, why did he do that? Well, because he's the king. He can do what he wants to. But here's another reason why he did that. The government's broke. The government has no money. And so when they change the name of the country, that means every citizen has to change their driver's license your birth certificate, you have to change your passport. Every piece of documentation you have that says Swaziland now has to be changed into the kingdom of Eswatini. You know what that means? When you change your driver's license, it's costing you about 500 rand. 20, 30, 40 bucks every time. When you change your birth certificate, it's costing you money. When you change your passport, it's costing you money. Guess who gets that money? The government gets that money. 
Not only that, in the midst of that, they raised the taxes on people. Taxes are skyrocketing for them. Income tax right now is a 33% on everybody. It's 33% income tax. Sales tax has risen so far to 15% for everybody. It's across the board, everybody. 15% sales tax on everything. 33% income tax. And so everybody pays that. All going into the government and people are perishing. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what they want us to know. Do not have self-pity on them because of that. See, we tend to look at that and go, well, man, we, we wouldn't be able to afford what we have or we wouldn't be able to afford certain things. Listen, not all thing, good things are things. They're not external. They're internal. And so we have to be reminded that the things that God gives us, those good things are internal things. Comfort, peace, encouragement, the cross, promises of Scripture, all of those things are the good things that God has given us. Some would say this means God is punishing the people of Swazi. I don't think so. I think evil's just reigning there at the moment. We were able to go and do some work at an orphanage. Iron City has the great privilege of really owning that orphanage, actually. They've planted it there. The other team that was with us built a piggery. You know what a piggery is? A pig pen is what we call it. It's the pig pen. They built a piggery. And at this orphanage, we found out uh, they had no operating toilets nor operating showers. There are children in this orphanage, no operating toilet, no operating shower. I can't handle that. I've got kids. I've got kids the same age that are in that orphanage. I can't handle that. That's hard. It's hard for me. And so we made sure we did everything we could that when we left, these kids had a shower and they had a toilet that worked. I have pictures of the orphanage. This is where they stay. So one is for boys, one is for girls. This is not all of it, but there's, there's these two. And then um, uh, there's another picture. This is kind of where they do a school and, and things like that. If you look, let's see, to the right, there's a small building right there. That's their showers and their bathrooms, and um, none of them worked. And the reason is because of the next picture, uh, they had an issue with the water. This is their water. Uh, it comes from a spring, and uh, this faucet was messed up. It had been broken uh, over time, and, and you see water coming out, but that's, that's, it's not much. It, it, what happens is the water doesn't build up pressure, and it can't go up to the toilets and the showers, okay? So you can't, there's no Oxford Water Company to come out and fix it. Um, and so uh, we had to figure out, okay, how do we fix this? And so, praise God, we were able to do that. Uh, we were able to fix this. I didn't get another picture. I don't think I have another picture of that. But um, we were able to fix that and uh, fix their water. Uh, when I say pressure, don't think of your shower, okay? I mean, they got to dance around to get wet. It's not much water coming out, but, but it's water. So we were able to fix that, and uh, we were able to get the necessary tools. And somehow I became the plumber on the trip. I am not a plumber, okay? Don't call me. If you got plumbing issues, I don't know how they said I'm a plumber, but they told that whole orphanage, a plumber's coming tomorrow. 
And I said, I am not a plumber. Y'all have lied to these sweet people. I'm not a plumber. They said, oh, yeah, Mike, you can fix it. You're from Munford. You can handle plumbing. I'm like, you guys are just building them up. But thank the Lord, I I spent one day at the orphanage and um, away from the pastor's conference. We were able to go and uh, got the necessary tools and uh, was able to fix both toilets and was able to fix both shacks. And I wish you could have seen these little kids. Man, they got a shower. For the first time in a long time, they were able to get a shower. A shower! I had one last night and another one this morning. Didn't think anything of it. And I wish you could have seen these little kids. (laughs) If you cut the faucet off right there at the bottom, it will cut off the water to the showers. And there was about five or six little boys in one shower. <laughs> and another guy, he didn't know they were in the shower. I don't know how. They were singing like crazy because they were so excited to be in a shower. He cut the water off and the shower quit. And I wish you could have seen all these little black booties with soap all over them running all over this orphanage, yelling, water, water, water. Where did it go? And I just pointed. He did it. I did not do it. He did it. I mean, they had soap all over them, yelling, water, water, water. And I'm over there, cover yourself up. Cover your, cover your, what are you doing? Cover up. (laughs) It was great, though. Uh, It was amazing to see them. This next picture is how they wash their clothes. This is one of the little girls in the orphanage washing her clothes. That's just washing her clothes. That's their washer and dryer right there. I sent that picture to Amanda, and I said, our kids are lazy. Because <laughs> they got that little tub of water. They have a little bar of soap and a, a big rock in there. And they take that rock, and they'll just rub those clothes, you know, and, and wash. And then they dry them, they put, or they wring them out, put them in another tub, and they get all the soap off, and they put them in another one, and then they have to hang them up. And they have to do that with their own clothes. E- each one of them has about three shirts and three pairs of shorts. That's about all they got. There's not much else. Uh, but that was her washing her clothes. But listen, in the midst of all that, they're such happy, sweet folks. And you know why? I think as they know and understand that when God says he's the giver of all good things, He doesn't necessarily mean stuff. Listen, may our happiness not be found in stuff. May it be found in the God that loves us, the God that sustains us, the the God that forgives our sins, and the God that is reserving us a place in heaven one day. Amen? That's the good of the gospel. That's the good of the good news. It's not that God's going to bless you with all kind of blessings if you have enough faith. The good of the gospel is you get God. Amen? You get the Lord. And so may we trust in that. The last one is this. I learned the value and need to hold on to, trust in, and rest in the Scriptures. The value of the Scriptures and the need to hold on to, to trust in, and to rest in the Scriptures. In Hebrews chapter 10, I would. this is the verse that came to me over and over and over again on this trip. Hebrews chapter 10, 
in verse 23, the Bible says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. This is the verse that came to me over and over and over again. Let us hold to the confession of our hope without wavering. What is the confession of our hope? It's not the United States of America. It's not the Republican Party. It's not the Democratic Party. It's not an independent party. It's not an elephant, a donkey. It's not a tiger. It's not a team. It's not our homes. It's not anything that these eyes can see. Let us hold to the confession. Let us hold, dear, hold faithfully to the confession of our hope without wavering. What is the confession of our hope? And that's the cross. That Jesus is not on anymore. That he was put into a tomb and that he was raised from the dead three days later. That is the hope of our confession. That is the hope that we hold so dearly to. Because the question is, what do you do when life isn't working out the way you thought or hoped it would? What do you do? And many of us in this room, that's happened for you. What do you do when life isn't working out the way you thought or the way you planned or the way you hoped it would work out? What do you do when unexpected things happen? A house fire, the washer, the dryer quits. Your favorite team loses, child is bullied at school, you lose a job, you lose a loved one, you wreck your car. What do you do? And with each one of these, we lose a little bit more encouragement until we find ourselves completely down, completely discouraged, and even to the verge of depression, not happy, not joyful, don't want to do anything or go anywhere. And this is the result in what happens when we place our trust in things. We get what things can give us. And that is temporary happiness and even longer unhappiness when they go away. So what, where does our hope come from? Where do we gain encouragement? What do you do when it's all failed you, when you have nothing and the future looks so different? I was having a conversation with one of the pastors at the conference. Sweet guy, man. Telling you, these guys are steadfast. It's amazing. Having a conversation with them, he lives in a village of people who really have nothing. I mean, they, they're suffering. And he told me, he said, he said uh, Pastor Mike, they're suffering. He said, we're suffering. We have nothing. He said, the government has failed us. All of the organizations have failed us. He said, I have mamas and daddies who are burying children. We met uh, in the same area, we met a mom who just six days prior had lost her teenage son. You want to know why she lost her teenage son? It's because Swaziland's in the middle of elections. Yes, they do get to vote, but it doesn't matter. And in the middle of elections, they are so entangled in witchcraft they believe that sacrifices have to be made for them to win. And so this dear mother lost her son to that. So what do you do? What do you do? And I asked this pastor, I said, Pastor, how do you, how do you pastor these people? I don't know how to do that. I, I mean, I don't, I don't what, do I, what do you say? I don't know how to minister to that. What, 
I'm not from that. I, I mean, the hardships that we face is maybe an unexpected death from a car accident or something. I, loss of a loved one or loss of a job. How do you minister? And this is what he said. He said, only Jesus and the gospel can bring us hope. That's all he said. Only Jesus and the gospel can bring us hope. You know what that means? That means this pastor is recognizing that the greatest issue, the greatest problem at hand is not their current suffering. The greatest problem, the greatest issue that they're facing is not their government. It's not human sacrifice. It's not the evil that's around them. You know what this pastor understands? And what he is preaching to his people, that the greatest issue, the greatest problem you and I have is that apart from Jesus, we have no hope. There is no hope apart from Jesus. That the only hope we have is that we place our faith and our trust in the risen Savior. And it's at that moment we have hope. That we know that when all of this is gone, when all this temporary is over, that we will look into the face of Jesus and he will say, welcome, welcome, for I have prepared a place for you. Come on in. No more suffering. No more sorrow. No more sin. No more darkness. No more government. No more witchcraft. Come on in. And that's the hope that they have. That's the hope that they hold on to. Oh, that the churches in, the, in America may have that same hope. And may we find our hope only in Jesus. I want to show you one more video and then I'll pray. This is a video of these pastors singing at the end. It's just a sweet sound, so let's listen to this one. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we enter into a time of invitation, Lord, I pray for the sweet people of Swaziland. Lord, as I know, they're praying for us. Lord, I don't pray that, God, you would just shower blessings of stuff. I do pray, as Jesus taught us to pray, God, that you would give them their daily bread. Lord, provide for them what they need. But God, most of all, may they place their hope and faith in you. For it's where our hope comes from. But Lord, that same prayer is for us today. 
Not that you would shower blessings upon us, but God, that you would give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need. And may that be enough for us. But God, also that we would place our hope and faith in you. So listen, if you're here this morning and you need to place your hope and faith and trust in Jesus, I pray you'll do that. That gospel that we preach, it goes to the ends of the earth, but it also goes to the very pew you're sitting in. So when we stand and sing in just a moment, I ask you to come and pray. Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Trust in Him. Put your faith and hope in Him. Or maybe you just want to come and pray. Maybe pray for Swaziland and pray that God would bless them, that God's face would shine upon them, and that, that those pastors would begin to see some pushback of sin in their communities. That the gospel would go forth and that people would begin to be saved in record number. It's the only hope that they have. It's the only hope that we have. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would have your way in this place. God, that we would give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand and sing with us?